This is Jamie Dixon, head coach, men's basketball at TCU. You're listening to TCU Frog Pod. Welcome to another episode of the Frog Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Flanagan, alongside my awesome co-host, Mr. Alan Taylor. Alan, the last time we spoke, it was actually after a TCU win over Texas Tech in Fort Worth. Now we're talking the night after uh, a, a tough loss to Texas Tech in Lubbock, a game where the Frogs had the opportunity to win the game up by 10 late in the second half, but suffer a one-point loss at the hand of Grant McCaslin and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Alan, this is one of the most frustrating losses I have seen from the TCU fan base, at least how they've taken it, in quite some time. This is definitely the hardest loss the, team is t- uh, the fan base has taken the whole entire season. Yeah, no, it's definitely a really tough loss. When you talk about being up by 10 with only, I believe, seven or eight minutes left, you fully expect to be at least having a chance to win the game late, not, you know, playing from behind in the last two minutes as we were. So definitely a really disappointing outing for us and a winnable game on the road in the Big 12. And this was a big game for TCU. This was a big game for Texas Tech. This was a game between two teams tied for fifth in the league, and the winning team would not only leapfrog whoever lost this game, but also do the tiebreakers leapfrog their way into the top four. And the last time we talked, we said it is so important to get that top four seed in the Big 12 because it gives you a double buy into the quarterfinals in Kansas City, which we are anticipating to be one of, if not the best conference tournaments in the modern era of college basketball. So for TCU, this really dampens those odds it's still very much achievable we're gonna talk about tcu schedule later on in the pod but this really hurts tcu in that regard and might force the frogs to win i believe that would be four games in four days they were going to hoist their first ever big 12 trophy in basketball yeah as you said that this puts texas tech in a really good position to go and secure one of those spots as well I believe only they only have one more ranked team left on their conference schedule with most of their really tougher games coming in Lubbock. But you never know. One thing about this league is, is it doesn't matter where you are seated in the league. Any team can go in and beat anybody on any given night, really, no matter where you're playing. And I think that there's been a lot of games where TCU's, frankly, messed around and ended up with a win. When you talk about our game against Baylor, the triple overtime game, we sort of were in a position where we were down late. We were down by 10-plus points and had to come back and figure out a way to get it done late on the road. And we did then, and you know what? At the end of the day, we didn't pull out last night. It was a Tuesday night game in Lubbock, 8 p.m. TCU, tough place to play. Played hard most of the game. You just would have liked to see execution a lot better at the end. Yeah, there. overall, there was a lot of good that came out of this game. TCU won the rebounding battle by double digits. They, they really control the boards, and that says a lot even without starting center Ernest Uday. Isam Mustafa, the transfer from Coastal Carolina, gave great minutes early on. Uh, but, Alan, what, you, what I saw, and I wonder if you agree with this, is that in this game, it seemed like 
the defense kind of let the frogs down. There was a lot of fouling. There was a lot of uh, allowing of backdoor cuts. There was struggle uh, with off-ball screens. There was a lot of problems that historically TCU has not had issues in, especially on defense. We always know that Jamie Dixon's teams are going to play hard, but it's normally the defense that's picking up for the offense. This year, the offense has been picking up for the defense. Yeah, and I think two things you mentioned specifically really came back to bite us at the end. When you talk about the off-ball screens and backdoor cuts, two of the last buckets that Texas Tech had were actually on Emmanuel Miller and Micah Peavy off the ball defense when they just tend to defend with their eyes towards the basket, towards the guy holding the ball. And, you know, the guy is either getting a back screen that comes them over the top and gets a wide open look or a back screen right down, right down low to a layup. And that's just inexcusable, especially in a late game situation. You got to be locked in and staying present to your assignments there. I will say that one thing about this team is, is you have a lot of senior guys. You have a lot of guys that recognize more than likely that this is an issue and this isn't their first time being told, Hey, we need to defend better because they understand the level that we need to be defending at in this league and especially going into March if we want to make a run. You mentioned March, and as we sit here recording this, it's Wednesday, February 21st. So March is literally the end of next week. This is um, this is a challenging point for TCU because you're going to find out just how tough they are. We mentioned tough multiple times this year. It's mentioned almost every single Big 12 game. But from this point on, TCU stands right now about a 9-10 seed. And it was so interesting last night because TCU has a better metrics than some teams, especially in the Big 12, ranked ahead of them. From this point on the season, you have Cincinnati and Baylor at home. You go to uh, Provo, Utah to play BYU. You go to Morgantown, and you have senior night against UCF. All of those are winnable games, Alan. But given the way TCU has been playing – what do you see for the Frogs coming down this five-game stretch as they enter uh, what's going to be a highly contested postseason? I see five winnable games, as you mentioned, and I see a need to protect your home floor. I see a need to be able to find a way to not only beat Baylor on, I guess, next Monday, but you know, beat Cincinnati on Saturday. I will say one thing that's going to be important as we look through this stretch, we're playing Baylor on the Monday after they play Houston on Saturday. That's a ridiculously tough turnaround for a, t- a Baylor team that's also coming off a game on against BYU where they were playing at altitude. So I'm really hoping that we're going to be able to take advantage of that opportunity and also beat a Cincinnati team that we frankly should have beaten the first time. Yeah, that Cincinnati team just tonight lost to Oklahoma State. Cincinnati, like, they're not where TCU is. They're a little behind TCU. They're more on the, hard on the bubble. They're going to need this win on Saturday, and so does TCU to avoid being on the bubble. Now, even with the loss, I think TCU could go 0 oh, into the next two games and still be in the NCAA tournament, but you don't want to be in a position where you have to go win two of your last three games and two of the last three on the road. Uh, while there are teams that you probably are better than on paper, that's just not a recipe you want to see yourself sitting in. So if you're Jimmy Dixon and you're this TCU basketball program, this is an opportunity for you to gain some serious momentum going into Kansas City and into the NCAAs. Yeah, I mean, momentum is the name of the game. And when you think about some of these spots, I will say one of the biggest gripes I have with the Big 12 Conference going into this conference's schedule, we got absolutely screwed. 
the fact that we have to go from Provo to Morgantown on a back-to-back trip of going from the mountain time zone all the way into the eastern time zone is ridiculous. Nobody else is really having to do this other than the two schools on the eastern time zone where they are actually, like, from there. But we're having to make this trip not only, like, in a critical part of the season, but from going from the mountain time zone to the eastern time zone, where I would much rather have it the other way if I could. It's just a really hard situation for us coming off of, I guess, two home games that um, I would think are going to be pretty grueling. And then, you know, you finish up going into spring break, a home game against a UCF team that, you know, has found their way to beat several really good teams on the home and at home and on the road. So no game's going to be easy here, but I would think the home games are the ones you have to really focus on. Speaking of home games, let's talk about the next one TCU has Saturday versus Cincinnati. You said we should have beaten them uh, when we went out to Ohio earlier in the season. The Cincinnati's team's not on the right stretch. What do you see in this Cincinnati team that you think that TCU can really exploit to get back right this weekend? I see two guards that are frankly not. They're both very quick guards, and they both can score, but I don't think they're as physically strong as the guys that we're going to be running at them. I think that Day-Day Thomas is a guy that can really light it up. He's a guy that can really shoot it and score it at all three levels, but he's kind of a little guy. He's a little skinny, a little scrawny, and I think Jameer Nelson going downhill on him with how Nelson's really started being more assertive going to the basket is something that we can take advantage of. I think that they have skillings, if I remember his name correctly, and then a couple big guys, one of them can stretch the floor, one of them's really good at the rim, that we just have to figure out ways to, you know, give them problems. I want to see us attack early and often. I want to see us really getting to the rim and drawing fouls and making our free throws and just sort of setting the tone physically early in the game. And it's going to be a game that I hopefully we see a good crowd. This is – I've looked at this, Alan. TCU, this is going to be their fourth Saturday home game of the season. They have only won one of those so far this year, and that was against Houston. Houston, fourth, excuse me, fourth conference Saturday home game. Uh, the other losses were to Iowa State and Texas. So hopefully the crowd is there. You know, Coach Dixon always says, and ideally before conference starts, you want to protect home floor and then find a way to steal a few road games. TCU, not only this season, but it seems like for the past couple of years, has almost performed better in big road games than they have in big home games. Now, this is not the same type of magnitude that Houston, Iowa State, or Texas was, but this is, again, a TCU needs to have, and I really do hope that Frog Nation shows out. I believe it says sellout online. I would have to check that, but this needs to be a game where TCU really gives that extra push uh, with the uh, with the crowd at the school buyer on Saturday. Exactly. We definitely need the six man to be there early and often. TCU Frog Army's got to show up, start really giving hell to the Cincinnati bench. Their first trip coming down to Texas, I believe, since we used to be conference rivals back in the Conference USA days. And you know what? Should be a pretty good environment. You know, Saturday afternoon in Fort Worth, what gets better than that? So I'm going to ask you, what what what, is, what are the Frogs going to do Saturday? Give me, give me a prediction. Uh, I'm going to go score prediction. I think we're going to actually win this one handily. I think that we recognize on our last home game against West Virginia of how we have the ability to beat teams that we frankly are more talented than, than especially at home. I think we're going to be able to take advantage of their guards. I think that we I, – I just think that this is going to be a really good spot for Emmanuel Miller. I think Emmanuel Miller sort of recognizes that not scoring in the last eight minutes of a game like he did against Texas Tech is frankly unacceptable in his role. And he's going to come out early and often, get us to a big lead, 
We're going to be up double digits at the half, and I'm going to say we win by 15 at the end of it. Uh, final score, 81-65. Mm, that's, that's by 16. 81-66. Mm, you give them Correct. that. Okay. Fair enough. I, I do think TCU wins this game handily. I think there will be a stretch where they keep it close, but um, I do anticipate this is going to be a rowdier crowd. I believe it's going to be good weather on Saturday. It's a it's a rare TCU doubleheader. Well, we're going to talk about the second part of the doubleheader in a second with TCU baseball going against UCLA. But uh, this is going to be a, a big weekend for TCU basketball. As Monday is the big you know, X on the on the calendar moment, but I do think that this Cincinnati team is one that, that we, we want to get back at because that was the first loss of the season where TCU fans were very upset, losing in overtime, missing free throws. Uh, you know, we gave that game away. A different loss than how, what happened in Lubbock, but it was still one of those games. It's like you're going to wish you had that one back later in the season. Uh, before we get into uh, TCU, UCLA, and baseball, Allen, we're going to talk about the Baylor game really quick. That game is a big one, big Monday. This is ter- slowly turning into one of the most underrated rivalries in college basketball. When TCU Baylor, removing my TCU fandom out of this, when TCU Baylor is on TV, it should be must-watch television because it seems like every single time these two teams compete, it's a classic game. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first contest going to triple overtime with, you know, everybody just constantly exhausted in the ups and downs in that one. I'm really excited to see this contest play out on Monday night next week as well. It's going to be really tough. Uh, It's going to be tough to beat this team twice in one year. But you know what? Why not us this year? This Baylor team just feels different. I believe we're fully healthy. We do not at the current moment have any status on Ernest Uday. But fully healthy, this is probably the smallest margin in talent I would say that TCU Baylor's had recently. Uh, not that TCU's gotten so much better. I just feel like this Baylor team just isn't where it has been in years past from a pure talent perspective. It's Jacoby Walters. Rage Dennis is good, but he's no – it's not the same tandem as Adam Flagler, uh, LJ Cryer uh, when they were going. Like this, this, this Baylor team, while it's still a very good team, it's a Scott Drew coach team – it's not the same as years past. And the scary part is, Alan, if you told me Baylor makes the Final Four, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I will say one thing about Baylor is they're very young. They have a lot of young guys, and especially they gave us fits going into the paint. They have uh, Misi, I believe is his name, is the last name. He's a seven-footer, 18-year-old kid who's only getting better every time he steps on the floor. We couldn't stop him and Ray J. Dennis's little pick and high, high ball screen pick and roll. In Waco, gonna have to figure that out. That's the key to that game for sure. Yes, we won't predict that game. We'll just leave you with a little taste there for the big Monday game. Maybe we'll do a little big Monday pod right before. Who knows? Um, but we're gonna talk about Saturday, the other game, uh, the bigger might be bigger for some fans. Uh, TCU versus UCLA in baseball at Lupton. We're gonna see the great migration. TCU Cincinnati basketball tips at two. TCU UCLA baseball is slated to have first pitch around 4 o'clock. Alan, this is a big series. This is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, non-conference home series TCU has had, for sure in the Sarlous era, but maybe in the past decade. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, when you talk in terms of brand names coming to Fort Worth, TCU-UCLA is absolutely ridiculous to be happening at Lupton Stadium. And I'm really excited to see how it plays out. When you talk about a team in TCU that has a ton of hype, that frankly didn't play their best but found a way to get three wins last week against Florida Gulf Coast and now gets to host another top 25 team coming in here. What can you ask more than that as a challenge early on and just what's only going to be February? And the, the way this team has gone, I mean, many people are saying, oh, TCU should have lost at least one of the games of the weekend. Regardless of what you believe with that, the way this team is playing is kind of how you want to start the season. We know the pitching is going to be there. We just got to find out who can be fitted in what slots, who's going to be the weekend guys, who's going to be your long reliever on, the, on a Friday night, who's going to be your go-to guy on Tuesday. That'll all figure itself out. But the bats are winning now, and I would rather the bats be winning our games now and while we figure out the pitching. And then once the bats eventually cool off, then that's when the pitching hopefully is figured out. Exactly. And the good news about this team is we have plenty of guys. We have plenty of guys that are inevitably going to step into roles. When you talk about on Friday night, opening night of the season, we go in there with this third baseman. I believe his name is Ryder Robinson. Yes, the Ryder was at their base. The Ryder Robinson is in there, highly touted freshman prospect. You know, he didn't perform at the level that we had hoped, and we slide in Brody Green a guy who has experience playing behind Braden Taylor, first-round draft pick in the MLB draft for the, by the Tampa Bay Rays last year, and he comes in there and he has multiple RBIs. He scores runs. He makes great defensive plays and ends up saving games. And then on Tuesday night, he does the same thing to the point where Kirk Sarlos says, you know what, this is our guy now. We have All these guys are proving their roles right now as we move towards peaking in the end of the regular season. And I just say, you got to trust what's going on here. You got to trust what Kirk Sarlos is doing. He learned from Slosh Nichols' program on how we got to find a way to be successful and get our way to Omaha. He's done it once before. We have better talent this year than last year. Just got to let it play out and trust the process. The, the, the crazy part is, is that, you know, this team – there's just so many. There's no like. There's no holes on this team. There's so many guys on the bench that you can trust. Uh, Sam Myers, I believe, is the fast uh, freshman that they got. He could come in and you know whether it's on the base pass pinch running or if that's actually stepping in and starting. You, we have multiple. We have really have two catchers in Carson Bowen and Curtis Byrne. Peyton Tolley, uh, our little Otani. I'm excited for his hot stretch. And it hasn't come yet, but it will. It's early. And this is a this is a team that frog fans should be excited for. There's going to be bumps to the road. There's going to be weekends where we lose teams we shouldn't. We're going to lose a Tuesday night game here and there. But that's baseball. I truly do believe that if all the key players stay healthy and we experience the type of growth that the average college program sees over the season from players, this TCU team will not only be hosting a regional, but could be a national seed. And you can't ask anything more than that than being a national seed starting off the NCAA tournament. And you know what? Having the type of guys and the expectation there, I remember I read, I think it was Cole Klecker, maybe Carson Bowen's quote. He was asked what the goals of this team was. And he said, you know what? Last year is about getting to Omaha. This year it's about not only getting to Omaha, but winning it when you get there. And it's all about building towards that moment. You just got to let all these series play out. Got to keep on improving each step to the next. Find the guys you trust the most and just start winning games in bunches. And that's what's going to happen sooner or later, hopefully. Yeah, before the season, I'm going to kind of not embarrass the sound, but I'm going to let however many listeners we're going to have on this know 
we talked about what this team feels like. And you said yourself, back in the day when we were making all those runs to Omaha, you knew going into the season if that team was going to Omaha or not. I'm not I I'm, I don't like like to make Omaha picks in February. This team feels like at the very least they'll be playing in a game 3 of a super regional at the very least. They'll they'll have a chance. They will have the chance to go to Omaha. Oh, I I agree entirely. I mean, at the end of the day it's like it will be a disappointment if this team is not in that position. Which is like sad to put the expectations on it, but at the same time, the team realizes it and at this point is owning the expectations. So you can't ask anything more than that. You just got to let the baseball play out. Exactly. And I don't think TCU has ever lost a postseason round at Lupton. That's a lie. They never lost a super regional at Lupton. The the Slosh and Farewell was in D at Lupton versus Oregon State. Yeah. The last dance against Dallas Baptist and Oregon State. Yeah, and the last win of the Sloshdale era was against Will Dion uh, in McNeese. Yep. Uh, congrats to Sloshdale and the boys on sweeping McNeese last week. Wow. Talk about full circle there. Uh, they, they, they got a ball club. They, they got a ball club right there. If if TCU and A&M play, that's good. That, that needs to be slated to right before Sports Center Scott Van Pelt because that's going to be a very entertaining game. A&M has some guys, Jace Lavalette, Brian Montgomery, Gavin Grohovich. TCU versus A&M would be top tier, not just college baseball, but that's top tier baseball in general. I know some people wouldn't like to see that, but who knows? All right, Alan, anything else before we depart on this lovely February night? Uh, shout out TCU women's basketball up. Uh, nine right now and this would be their first conference road win in 25 games so uh nebraska's choking against indiana but you know i care about the lady frogs trying to break the streak 25 straight losses hopefully coming to an end tonight no they, they, they won the road they won the last one against cincinnati this I don't have the audio on the uh, uh the the yeah we we won the last one so we're trying to start a new streak a winning streak tonight first two game winning streak on the road in the Big Twelve in at least three years. There we go. Um, thank you all for listening. I know we haven't been as good at doing it. You know, me and Mister Taylor now in the big boy world, not able to get these to you as often as we like to, but hopefully we'll be better as long as the frogs are playing high level. At a, at a good high level, that makes you guys want to listen. Remember to follow us on our socials. I have to thank everyone involved. Producer Schlossnagel out in Nashville. Our mascot, Maple Schlossnagel. Uh, Owen, our graphics designer. Jamison Mullen, our director of content. And Nicholas Capasso, our super fan. We thank you all very much for listening. And always remember to make every day your best day. And go Frogs. <laughs>